You are listening to Freedom Church STL. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit freedomchurchstl.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy this message. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 18. We'll start there, but let's pray before we jump into the Word. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful for this day. Father, I'm thankful that what you are doing in the lives of this house, I am thankful that you are stirring us up, that you are not leaving us complacent, that you are strengthening dry bones. You are bringing back to life that which is dead. I'm thankful for that. Father, today as we enter your word, we don't take it lightly. Father, there, your word does so many things. It divides us. It separates things in our lives. But another thing that it does is it encourages us along the way. And we're thankful for that. So as we go today, Father, I, I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit is present here today. Teaching and enlightening the word to our hearts. So let our ears be open and our hearts be receptive. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So all right, let's get our Bibles out. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is not a scripture I put up there, but if you've been in this church long enough, if you've been attending Freedom Freedom Church long enough, this is one of those passages that you should know by now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 18. If you do not have this underlined or starred, I'm not going to judge you, but I am going to ask that you do this now. Because this is a big deal. We always want to know. Everybody always asks me. I've been, I've been doing this a long time. And one of the greatest questions I get asked all the time by, by young people, old people, middle-aged people all the time is, what is the will of God for my life? What does he want to do in my life? What has he called me to do? And it's as if, it's as if he's it's just some, some nebulous cloud and that there, there's really no direction. Like he's never given us a direct saying and said, this is your job. And we're just waiting for him to drop it in our lap. And the reality of it is, is he's given it very much black and white. And I want us to take a look at that. Starting in 2 Corinthians, where did I say? Chapter 5, starting in verse 18. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. How many of you can just testify to just that? Before Christ, there was old, but Christ came, and now there is something new in you. No, no, raise your hand if you would say, yeah, I don't think the same way I used to. I don't act the same way that I used to. My values and what I, what I place value on isn't the same. Anybody? All right, good, because if not, then we, this is a whole different message. It's a whole different thing. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the, the and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to, uh, to God. I'm sorry, I don't have this, my strong glasses on. He who reconciled us to him, himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Right there. Who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Meaning this. You were first reconciled unto him through what Christ did. But in doing that, not only did you receive life, Not only did you receive righteousness for the sake of unrighteous, not only did you receive all that comes with heaven, you also then were given a ministry of an obligation to do something. The same obligation that chased you down has now been passed on to you. Does everybody understand that? 
and that ministry and that obligation. And yes, I call it an obligation. Yes, I call it a command because it is a command. If he gives us something that action is involved in it, it is something that is a command. It's like this. If I say, Kai, I need you to take the trash out, that is, I am giving him, him a job to do that requires action, right? Just be, if he takes it and says, yep, dad's giving me a job to do, I know that job, I know where the things are for that job, I know where the trash can's located, I know what day it's on, I know when I'm supposed to do it, I know how many trash cans there are, I know all of that, but he doesn't take the action along with the command then it's a failing. Are you following me on this? And so we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation, Kai, come here. Reconciliation is this, is this. Reconciliation, just as if I am Christ and he is you prior to Christ, there is a bringing to, there is a chasing down and a gathering to. Are you following me on this? Ryan's much better than this. I'm working with teenage works here. It's hard to get good help. He, uh, Ryan said, no, he's doing great. He's doing great. And so what I'm saying is, ministry of reconciliation just doesn't know about the pieces of what it takes to go to somebody. Doesn't know just who the target, yeah, I know who the target is. I even know what I'm supposed to say. I even know how I'm supposed to do it. But if there's no action to this, are you following me on this? If there's no action, then we are not walking in his command. And that's what I call sin. In fact, it's not what I call it. It's what the Bible calls it. If he gives us an actionable task and we are not actively walking in it, that's called, I'm sorry, that's called sin. I'm just making sure we're all on the same page because it's amazing how we will repent for things that we let come into our eyes. We will repent for actions that come out of our mouths, but rarely are we repentive or not walking out the actions of not walking out the ministry of reconciliation. You understand that? Like, I have to find myself, like, I, I need to feel as bad, like, if I lose my temper, and I, and I speak out of anger, I, and I feel bad about that, and I need to repent of that, and God convicts me of that, I need to have that same conviction of, of walking in repentance of that as I do of not waking up on a day and walking in a ministry of reconciliation. It's amazing how we've just minimized that non-action as a non-sin. You follow me on this? So I'm laying this out. We have to know this first. We have to see this first. We're going somewhere because I know most of you go, come on, man, I've been here for 13 years. I've been here from the beginning. This is what you taught the very first Sunday and you've been teaching it for 13 years. I know because we need it. But we're going somewhere. We need to know that there is a calling on our life. We have a calling on our life. And so here's the deal. What I want to make sure that we understand is that it is, it is time. It, I, I want to encourage us today in the word that we do not get distracted and we begin to walk even harder in this way. Uh, I'll give you this story just real quick. I was driving up to Kirksville. I was driving up to the great metropolis of Kirksville, Missouri, right, where their biggest claim to fame is osteopathic medicine and a drive through subway, Right? And I'm not sure which one they're more proud of. I'm not sure. But it was always a big deal that they had a drive-thru subway. My dad always used to tell me, he's always like, do you have a drive-thru subway? No, dad. Well, we do. He was really proud of that thing. He was very, very proud of that. Not sure why. But I was driving up to Kirksville, and it was nighttime, and this was just this week. 
And this is when everything is going on, right? The elections, and, and, and I don't know if you realize there was an election going on, and they're, they're still doing some counting, and there's all kinds of things. The people are making statements, and, and, and red people are angry, and blue people are happy, and, and there's all this, I mean, it's very weird, right? And then there's just these purple people in the middle that are just going, can we just make it stop? Can we just make it stop? And I was driving up there, and with everything going on, and people were, and when I was driving up, it was kind of during that moment where nobody really knows what's going on yet, and everybody was just kind of glued to their television and glued to social media and glued to, to seeing, like, like, what's going on? What's been said? How many votes are this? What's going on? Are they doing this? Are they counting this? Are they not counting this? What's being said out there? We're all glued to it, man. And I'm driving up to Kirksville, and it's like, Seven, eight o'clock at night, so the sun's been down for like seven hours already, right? Right? And I'm driving up there, and I, I look over into this field, and I see this, I see like multiple tractors. And I know none of us here are farmers, but they're like in the field with like headlights on. And they're plowing. I mean, they're not plowing, I'm sorry, they're actually harvesting. They're like literally like there are trucks driving along this thing in this big old tractor is just driving down and he's harvesting corn like it's like it's like eight o'clock at night and they're still out there and I drove by that and what's just overwhelmed me in that moment seeing that picture and it wasn't just one farm it was like every farm that had corn they were out in the fields harvesting well past eight o'clock they had set up headlights they had I mean they were ready to go and when I, I looked at that it was overwhelming to receive that because I was like don't they realize there's an election going on? Don't they realize that there are votes to be counted? Don't they realize what's happening in Georgia and Nevada and Arizona? Don't they know about this? Aren't they glued to social media? How are they operating those tractors while they're on Facebook? How are they even doing that? That can't be safe. And this picture just hit me. They were, it was overwhelming when I saw that. And it was like the Holy Spirit just pointed out. He said, do you see that? I go, yeah. So I'm glad I'm not a farmer, right? And that was the first thing. I'm just saying, selfishly, I was just in here. I was just like, man, mm -mm, that's not for me. Not for me. But the second thing that was overwhelming that hit me was the fact that I, I saw a picture of what the church should look like. I saw a picture of the church of what it should look like, uh, a church that is not distracted and knows that there is a job to be done. That even while all things are crazy, while all things are lining up, where all things are unfolding, where everything on social media is blowing up, where everything in the public is unrest, where everybody's got an idea and wants to throw out an opinion, there's a farmer out there up in Kirksville that went like this. Doesn't matter, we gotta go, we gotta go harvest. Why? Why? Well, it, because it's, it's time to harvest. Yeah, but don't you want to sit around and watch the news and figure out what happens and if Arizona flips or if, or if, if maybe, I mean, in the end of this, Canada could take over. I have no idea. We could all be riding moose by the end of this. I have no idea what's coming, right? Like, don't you want to know, farmer? Don't you want to see what's coming? Don't you want to be involved in that? Don't you want to know minute by minute every little turn? Don't you want to know? And the farmer just looks back and goes, no, we've got a, we've got a job to do. And it's not going to do itself. Like, the corn's not going to be reaped and harvested by itself. We have to be out here. 
We have to be doing it because this needs to be done. This is important. This is a job that does not get done without somebody taking a stand and saying, I'm going to go do that. And when I saw that picture, I was just encouraged. And the Holy Spirit literally just told me, he said, man, we got to get back to the church and just encourage the people. That we need to be like that farmer. A farmer that's not distracted. A farmer that doesn't look around and go, you know what? I'm going to put off what I can do. What should be done today, I'm going to put it off tomorrow so that I can be invested in the dailies of this thing. And what I want to do today is simply this. I want to encourage us. I want to dig through some of the word and just encourage us and remind you that you have a job to do, church. You have a job to do, not me. I mean, I've got a job to do, and I'll do it, but I need you, crew. I need you to do your job. I need Mike to do his job. I need Corey to do his job. I need Don to do his job. I need Ryan to do his job. I need us to be reminded that as much as we want to be distracted and how easily as a church we are distracted, there is still a job to do. Do you hear what I just said? So let's look at this real quick. I want you to go to Luke. I want you to go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57. And this is a passage where it's talking about the cost of following Jesus. But not only is it, a, is it a passage concerning the cost of following Jesus, it's also a passage about the things that we get so easily distracted by and put in place things that seemingly are well, things that are seemingly important, things that seemingly are good. They distract us. It says this in verse nine, or chapter 9 of verse 57, it says this, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. That's a bold statement, man. That's a bold statement. We say these kind of bold statements happen all the time. Bold statements in church, we sing songs, oh, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever. You go up on a mountain, I'll be there. You go down in a valley, I'm going to go there too. It's a bold statement. It says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What's Jesus doing there? He begins to tell him, listen, what are you distracted by? Because he, he in all of these responses, he's responding back because he knows the, the heart of men. And the heart of men are very easily distracted. And Jesus is going to throw out because he knows this guy is going to be distracted by comfort. You say you want to follow me, but comfort is calling you, man. Man, my way, there might not be comfort. Are you still going to come? You need to understand, I don't have a place to lay my head. You going to go there with me? What I'm saying is, is we can be easily distracted, not just by the things of the day, but even our comfort. God's called you to a, and commanded you to a ministry of reconciliation, but most of us have given over that calling to the God of comfort. Father, I will follow you anywhere as long as I am comfortable. Verse 39, he said it to another man, follow me. Jesus is going to follow him. Jesus is going to say, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Lord, he said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. 
Now, that's one of the harshest things that Jesus has ever said in the Bible. But if you don't have context, you don't understand it. You see, we think of of burials in our modern time as somebody dies, what do we do? We bury them. Happens usually within a week, right? So this is modern day context so that when we read this passage or we hear Jesus say, man, you just, man, let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. We're like, he doesn't want him to go to his own dad's funeral? What? No, the reality of it is you have to understand something that this guy, that his dad most likely was not even dead yet. And in this time frame, when he says, let me go and bury my father, that is a statement, that is a statement from most likely an oldest son saying, I have to be near my father until this thing happens. This is my job. This is my duty. I got I to gotta do this before I get to that. Let me go and do that because if I don't, I won't get my inheritance. If I don't, I won't be in the proper place. If I don't, I'll miss something. You have to understand contextually what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is looking at me and saying, listen, man, I'm standing right in front of you telling you, I'm saying, follow me. And you're saying, it's not a good time. It's not a good time. Yeah, Jesus commands us. He says, I want you to, I've given you just as I reconciled you to me, I am giving you the ministry of reconciliation. And yet most times we look back at him and say, man, I'll follow you anywhere. But look at the time. Look at the time. Man, I will follow you anywhere. I'll follow you. Man, I will follow you and take on the gates of hell. And Jesus is like, don't, don't worry about the gates of hell. I already took care of that. Why don't you just go into your family and walk in love and speak love to them and speak life to them and be a witness for me and be a minister of reconciliation in the midst of your family. And you're like, how about those gates of hell? Is that all right? Huh? Can we just get back? I'll go there. You want me to go there? But I ain't going to Uncle Jim. I'm not going to Aunt, Aunt Betty. I'm not going to them. Uh-uh. They're too hard to deal with. I don't even like them. I don't even like them. Man, I don't know if I have the time for that. It's not a good time. Are you following me on this? What I'm trying to do is encourage you, and I know we're not liking it in a sense of nobody likes to be, but nobody, listen, let's just be honest. I don't like this, you don't like this, but the reality of it is this, none of us like to be kind of shaken a little bit out of a place where we might have grown comfortable. Does that make sense? Like, if you, have you ever been, like, kind of taking a nap on a Sunday afternoon, and then so, somebody comes down and, and runs down and says, hey, I need you to get up and go do something, and it seems like you really, you couldn't have waited, I just grew comfortable in this. Like, nobody likes to be shaken out of that, Right? Like, nobody likes to be messed with in that. Like, dude, come on. Right, I got a full belly. Right, I got a comfy chair. I got a fan blowing on me. And you want me to be woken up and going to do something? Can't I do that later? We don't like it. I get it. I get it. I don't like it either. But the word is shaking us up going, come on, man. Come on. Don't forget, I've called you to this ministry. I've called you to action. I've called you to not be distracted by simple things. Like those farmers, there's a job to be done. And then the last thing he says this, still another one said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Man, we're so distracted by 
what's back there. We're so distracted by as we move, try to move forward with God, we've got one hand on the plow and one hand on what we left behind. And it's, it's just kind of like, <laughs> like you're, you're taking these steps. Okay, I'll walk with you, Lord, but, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> right? You, is anybody else that, have that experience? Man, we're just constantly looking back. We're constantly not letting our eyes moving forward. Jesus has called us to a ministry of reconciliation that requires focus. Focus on what? To the work ahead, not the past that we've left behind. Yeah, I, I, I know this is simple stuff. Listen to me. Listen to me. I, I know I know, and I, and I was concerned about even teaching on this stuff because this is one of those messages that if you've been in church long enough, you've heard before. You've heard messages where somebody stands before you and tries to shake you by the word of God and says, come on, man, we gotta wake up. There's a job to be done. It ain't gonna do itself. It's not gonna go and, and do what it does. It's not gonna just happen. And then we, and then what happens is, is because we've heard it so often, we can just kind of go, oh, what? Okay, is he, is he done yet? Okay, amen. All right, bless you, brother. Bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. All right, back to my comfy chair. And that's what we like to do. But the reality of it is, is I'm hoping and praying that our ears are truthfully open. I want us to look at Titus. Come on, we're, we're not done yet. Titus chapter three, starting in verse three through seven. I just want you to see this. This is a past thing. We are easily distracted. Guys, I'm gonna tell you something. If you think, if you think election week was gonna be the big distraction, you have another thing coming. It, the fun and the fireworks have just begun. I'm ta- it's gonna get it's gonna get, it's gonna get crazy, it's gonna get just crazy. It is. I mean, let's just call it what it is. There's going to be, I mean, the media circus on both sides, if there is two sides, I don't even know anymore. Like the media circus and the distractions, and I do understand, like, let's just bring this today. That do you know, you think that the distraction was the, was the presidential election? Just wait till January 5th rolls around and what goes down in Georgia. That's going to have more attention on it than the presidential election. It's going to get nuts. And it's going to offer every opportunity for every believer out there to grow anxious and to be looking at social media and to be glued to the news and be so distracted, so easily distracted. And I'm trying to be preemptive here and strike to the heart of that thing and go, we cannot be distracted. There's a job to be done. And Titus, it says this. It says, at one time, this is past. Everybody say, in my past. I'll try that again. In my past. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved. In some translation, it would say distracted by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived a malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. 
But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewed by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Guys, I need to remind you, that you do not live. A believer does not have, cannot have, cannot be distracted. Can't, we used to live our, our lives prior to Christ were distracted. Are you following me on this? Prior to Christ, our lives were distracted. All kinds of malice, hate for one another, all kinds of pleasures that we pursued after. But the life of a believer is not distracted or consumed by such things. Why? Because it is now taken ownership of becoming heirs with Christ. Are you following me on this? What I am trying to remind you is this, is that if you look at your life, and you see nothing but distraction. If you look, everybody, watch this. How many of you, just everybody lift up your smartphone right now. Just lift it up real high. I'm not gonna condemn them, don't worry. Come on, don't lift them up real high. That, any, anybody, if you heard the sound, ding, or that chime that goes off that there was a text, how many of you would look down at it? It just happens, right? We are so easily conditioned and distracted, aren't we? That I have to remind us, the word is trying to remind us, child of God, believer, follower of Christ, you do not have the, for the sake of the kingdom, you don't have the luxury of living a distracted life. This was your old life. Malice, things of pleasure, all that stuff that enslaved you. Man, you, you were distracted by all that. Not anymore. You have been taken ownership by something that there was a price paid for you. You no longer can live a distracted life because there is a job to be done. Are you still with me? Let's keep going. I want you to jump down. We have a mandate. Matthew chapter 28. Come on, this is felt board stuff, but I, I need to remind us of this. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Come on, we better know this stuff. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, sit in church, be there on Sundays, join a committee, sing on the worship team and, and, and volunteer in the nursery and all will be well with your life. Put a 97.1 bumper sticker on your car and you will be good, Right? This is what he's called us to, right? This is our life. This is our lot in life. And one day in the sweet by and by, Jesus will return. This 97.1 plays amazing grace, blaring through all the radio speakers, and we will hear it. 99.1. You can tell I've been listening to too much news. I said 97.1, the news station? I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm never making heaven if I don't do that. That's what they ask. What's Joy FM? I don't know. You're out. Go with the goats. Come on. <laughs> right? Amazing Grace is going to play, and in the sweet by and by, we're going to be lifted up out of here, finally saved. No, the reality of it is, he says, therefore, go and make what? 
disciples. How many of you are disciples? No, 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 raise your hand. He can see through the roof. Okay, so he just, you know what he just said? Go duplicate yourself. Go duplicate what you are. Go duplicate what's been done in you. Go make that which has been made in you. This is a mandate. This isn't a suggestion. This is a calling for the church of God. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to win the end of the age. Come on now. Guys, we have a mandate. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Come on, I'm just going to allow the word to work because you don't need my opinion. There's too many opinions out there right now. You need the word to work on us right now. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, Jesus says this. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages and in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassions on them. And because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. My goodness, if you cannot look just at social media right now and those that are just running through life right now and just look and go, man, those are lit- there are people literally running, thinking they have direction, big, and you can just tell they got no direction at all. And he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to the disciples, look, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Guys, listen to me. As those farmers up in Kirksville realized, they looked up and they said, you know what? It would be easy for me to just sit inside and be distracted by everything going on. But when I lift my head up, I see that there is a harvest. I see that there is a harvest waiting. And the reality of it is, do you realize that you actually get to be the answer to prayers that disciples themselves actually prayed? Pray, Lord, that, that, that he would send. Pray that they would send more harvesters into the fields. Do you realize through the mandate that we've been given that we can actually be the answer to that prayer? Lord, I'll go. Lord, I will be a harvester in the field. Lord, I will declare that I will not live a life distracted by comfort, bad timing, and my own want-tos. I'm not going to be distracted by that. I'm going to live a life that is actually acting on an actionable command to walk in the ministry of reconciliation. I'm not going to just shake this off. I'm not going to just let this be a Sunday where I heard the word, I understood the word, and then I just walked away from the word. I'm not going to be like James would say and say, I'm just going to hear this stuff, but not do it. Not going to do it. It's not going to be this Sunday. This Sunday, I make a commitment. This Sunday, maybe for the first time, you finally say, Lord, Lord, let your will be done and let me play the role that you called me to play. Maybe that is this Sunday. My hope is that it is. And let me finish with this. I want you to go to John chapter four. 
I want you to see this in John chapter 4, starting in verse 34. We'll just start there. This is the story where Jesus has continued on. He's just de dealt with the woman at the well, and she's gone off into her, into her city, and, and now everything has come back, and the disciples have come back, and they're having this interaction about Jesus and offering him food, and man, like, dude, aren't you hungry? And Jesus is like, come on. This isn't, this isn't talking. This is the time, to guys, to talk about going to the buffet. Jesus says this in verse 34. He says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me, to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It is four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. You have to understand, people were coming back out of the city after they had heard this testimony from this woman. They were coming back, and Jesus is seeing them, and he's going, look, guys, the fields, they're ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests as a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reap is true. Verse 38, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Guys, I am telling you, there are, there are seeds that have been planted for decades, there are seeds. It is hard to get away. Thank God for this. It is hard to get away from the gospel message in America. It's hard to do. It's hard to get away from even just knowing about Jesus. I might not believe in him. I might not follow him. But I have a semblance of understanding and hearing about him. Right? Church is still a thing in, in this country. But that doesn't mean they've been harvested. What I'm saying is there are seeds that have been planted. They don't need another message. They need somebody standing before them and saying, it's time to reap a harvest that I did not plant. It is time to reap a soul that I didn't even work for. I just stood before them and, and, and presented them the gospel and offered them the opportunity to be reconciled unto a God that reconciled me, a broken man. And being able to reap that harvest, a harvest I didn't even work for. I didn't sow years of my life into that person. I just happened to be the one that God put in front of to go, hey, man, I'm a broken man too. But he loved me while I was still his enemy. And if that goes for me, it surely goes for you. And I know the thing that you're missing inside. I know that you've chased it down with every pursuit you possibly can. And do you understand, especially in this time, do you understand that no matter who makes it in the presidency, it ain't going to fulfill you. I don't care what color it is. It's not. And that goes for us conservatives and for the liberals. I don't care. If Trump wins or if Biden wins, it does not matter. That is not my hope. And that's not my fulfillment, and that's not the plan. The plan is for me not to reconcile somebody over from, from one party to another. Our hope is to reconcile from one person from death unto life, like I've been reconciled. And so I stand before you as somebody who has been reconciled, but also as somebody that's been given a ministry of reconciliation just like you have. I might have a microphone and a stage, but you have a greater audience than I will ever get to. Do you understand? You said your name was Samson. Samson, what a great name. Don't mess with this guy. Right? Don't mess with his hair. That's an easy joke. It's an, I, it's, it's, 
It's a dad joke. But Samson, do you understand that you've been given a, a, a job to do? You, have a, you, have a, you realize you have a sphere of it? He's an RA at Missouri Baptist. He's an RA at Missouri Baptist like crew, but he's actually an RA back in my old, uh, my old zombie ground, my old uh, uh, dorm where I was at. Do you realize he has access to young men in that dorm that I'm never going to be in front of? So he has a greater strategy and a greater platform and a greater calling in that area than I do. Follow me on this? There are people in his life that I will never come in contact with, but he will. And his calling and my calling are the same. And so I stand before you and just ask you to be reminded. I'm asking you to be shaken up today. I'm asking you to repent if you need to repent. I'm asking you to be reminded that you don't have the right to live distracted as a believer. I'm asking you to be reminded that your comfort can't be the thing that pulls you back, that bad timing can't be the thing that pulls you back, that, that all of those things can't be something that pulls us back away from the actionable mandate that Jesus Christ gives you. I'm asking you that. I'm standing before you and asking you maybe for the first time in your life not to give yourself to Christ, not to come unto salvation, but to actually step into the role that he also gave you with that. That's the mandate that's on your life, and that's the calling of the church right now in this moment. And like those farmers up in Kirksville, they stood in their home, and they looked out, and they went, this has got to get done. I know there's all this stuff going on, but this has to be done. And man, what, how, I want to be found like that. I want the church to be found like that. When all distraction is going on, that we are found out in the field reaping the harvest. Are you following me today? Does this make sense to anybody? Well, let's pray. Let's pray. I'm just trying to encourage us, trying to shake us up a little bit. Come on, you made it through the Reformation message. Today is just an encouragement. Today is just shake us up a little bit. I know we've grown weary. I, trust me, I've grown weary myself. Over these last weeks, we've mentally been beaten down it's just the reality of it. But be encouraged today. Be encouraged today. Father, I thank you that you're giving us strength today. Not strength to, to deal with, with if one party wins or another. Oh, Father, not that. Father, give us strength to walk out your plan. Father, give us strength to walk out your command. Father, give us strength to walk out your, <laughs> your purpose in our life. As we said earlier, let us contend for your kingdom. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. We'll stand to your feet. Come on now. Come on now. I'm honestly... Guys, do not grow weary. Don't. I don't want you to grow weary. I don't want you to be, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged to know that God is in control, that you are called, that you have a plan, and that there is a plan laid before you that all you have to do is step into and walk into it, guys. Be encouraged today. Thanks for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can text Freedom Prayer to 94000 and send us your prayer request. 
And don't forget to find us on social media at Freedom Church STL. You can also find more info on our website at freedomchurchstl.com.